Well, this morning, we're going to go ahead and continue our series on the culture of Living Hope Family Church. And uh, uh, it's going to be a seven-part series. We went through the, the first couple, the last couple, uh, couple of weeks, and we're going to go ahead and continue on. And today, I want to minister to you on uh, that we are a people who pray. That is part of our culture, Living Hope Family Church, is that we're a people who pray. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, And my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. Isn't it good news to know that God hears from heaven, that we're not just spouting off into emptiness, but God actually hears our prayers. And the Bible says that if we humble ourselves and pray, then he is going to hear us from heaven. And the truth is that prayer is one of the most important parts of our relationship with God. Because how many of you know that you can't have a relationship if you don't have communication? Has anybody ever tried to have a relationship without communication? It doesn't work well. It doesn't work at all. You know, it's, you can say, yeah, he's my best friend. You're like, what do you mean? I've never even spoken to you. I don't even know who you are. To have a relationship with somebody, you have to communicate with them. And you have to do it regularly. How many of you, have you ever had a, a friend that you just see every now and then and you, you, know, you're, you say you're friends? Or, or what about this one, Facebook friends? I got, I got thousands of friends. Just look at my Facebook account. Never spoken to 98% of them. Those aren't real friends. There's no real relationship there. It's a, it's a stat at that point. You have to talk to people if you want to have a relationship with them. You have to communicate with them or your relationship is hollow and empty. And it's no different with God. You have to communicate with God if you want to have a relationship with Him. And the truth is that God will speak to you in return. God will speak to you if you'll speak to Him. And He speaks to us through His Word. When you sit down and you're reading the Word of God, that is His love letter to us. And He speaks to us even today through His Word. Sometimes he'll speak to you through your, through your leaders, through your Christian leaders, through your pastor, the people that are, are discipling you. God will speak through them. So oftentimes it won't be stuff you want to hear, but God will speak through them. And then God is going to rarely, very rarely, are you going to hear the audible voice of God. In my entire Christian walk, I've never heard the audible voice of God. And my pastor, who is an incredible man of God, he's been a pastor and working in the ministry for over 30 years. I've talked to him and he said on two occasions, he's heard the audible word of God. So if you don't hear God with a voice out of heaven going, John, this is God, don't feel bad. Because it's not how he typically speaks to us. But he will speak through his word. He's going to speak through other believers and the truth is, when God's speaking to you, He's going to sound a lot like you. He sounds like the voice in your head when, you, when, when you're speaking to yourself in your mind. Oftentimes, that is God speaking to you. But how do I know that's God? If it aligns itself with the Word of God, then it is God. If it aligns itself, if what's being said in your head doesn't align with the Word of God, you can be certain that it is not. But God will speak to you through His Word, through other people, and even through your conscience, your voice in your head. And then what about, has anybody ever here wondered, what does God want me to do? Has anybody ever wondered that? Just me? I guess I'll skip that point. Um, there's times I wonder, what does God want me to do? But you know what, I, the, the thing that I should have done but I never did was actually ask Him. You know, we need, to, we need to talk to God if we want to know what His will is for our life, if we want to have a relationship with Him. And that's what I want to talk about today, that at Living Hope Family Church, that's who we are. That's, that's not just something we do on occasion, but it's, it's ingrained into it. It's our culture as a church. We're going to be a people who pray. And as you know, at 9 o'clock uh, every Sunday morning, we have our prayer meeting. And it's been incredible. We have everyone getting in there, and we stand together. And we, we minister to God, and He ministers to us, and we stand for this city. And there's power in that in corporate prayer as well as where, where two or more are gathered in the name of, of God. He is there in our midst and He hears our prayers. That is the culture of who we are, Living Hope Family Church. So the first thing, like I said, I want to talk about is He speaks to you in your prayer. In Acts 10, 1-4, it says, Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. And about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God, who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, 
And fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. God will speak to you when you'll take the time to sit down and pray to Him. You see, prayer we all know is a time, uh, we can all not be you know, all aware that prayer is a time when we sit down and talk to God. But sitting in an attitude of prayer is also a time when you're willing to listen to God, when you're willing to hear His voice. It's a time when God is going to speak to you if you'll sit down and take the time to speak to Him. See, Cornelius is in a tough situation because he's not Jewish. He's, he's, an, uh, he's an Italian man. He's a leader in, in the Roman army. But it says he's a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. And this is interesting because he's not a Jew. And at this time, God was only ministering to the Jews. If you were not a Jew, then you had no right to deal with God. But it says that he was a devout man and he feared God with all his household. And he gave many alms to the Jewish people and he prayed to God continually. See, this is a man that knew that he had to talk to God if he wanted any kind of relationship. And he prayed continually. But the truth is that he had no salvation. He had no hope because he couldn't be with God. He couldn't offer sacrifices at the temple, which was requirements of the Jewish law back at that time. But he was doing the best he could to honor God. He was doing everything that he could, but ultimately he was coming up short. But the truth is that his prayers were honoring to God. And God heard them. God hears our prayers when we speak to him. And in this situation, you had to... to, to because the, he was about to be part of the Gentiles receiving Jesus, he was about to be part of salvation, that had to have been one of his prayers. God, how do I get saved? God, I want to be saved. I, wanna, I can't do this alone. And God heard him. Because finally an angel came and said that, <clears throat> he says, Cornelius, and he says, what is it, Lord? And he says, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Basically, your prayers are about to be answered. And we'll find out that, that uh, actually, we're just going to read the scripture now. In Acts 11, uh, 5, it says, I was in this, the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet, lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And this was Peter. He was up in the upper room, and he was, he was praying. And a sheet comes down from heaven and, and God says, get up, go kill and eat. And the sheet was filled of unclean animals, crows and all the stuff that he wasn't allowed to touch being a good Jewish man. And God says, whatever I have called clean, no longer consider unclean. And that's what's actually this whole story right here is, is Peter sees the vision right after Cornelius hears from the angel and Cornelius sends his man to Peter and this is the moment when the, the Gentiles first get introduced to salvation. They first get introduced to Jesus. And it's because this man was talking to God and God heard his prayers. And God wants to let us know of his plans through our prayers. Like we saw here, he was letting Peter know of his plans in that particular prayer. And what about in Acts 124? It says, and they, and they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two you have chosen. They, they spoke to God asking wisdom. They spoke to God expecting to hear from him that he would share his plans with them. God will speak to you when you take the time to pray for him. Pray to him. He will speak to you. You know, like I said, God will sometimes talk to you in your own voice in your head and you can know it's the, the, the will of God. It's God speaking when it aligns with the word of God and, and uh, I hope you don't mind. You mind if I share that conversation we had where we were running yesterday, John? So just yesterday, me and John were, were talking, and he's, he's like, you know, when I read the scriptures, how do I know when it's, when it's God talking to me, and how, do, and how do I know if maybe it's just myself saying it? See, the truth is that when you, when you w read the word of God, he'll speak to you through scriptures, and, and things that never stood out to you before will all of a sudden stand out to you. And John was asking, well, how do I know if that's just me thinking about stuff, or is that God talking to me? And I want you to know that if it's in line with the will of God, if it's in line with the word of God, it is God speaking to you. Because how many know the devil is not going to try to encourage you or try to, tr to, to get you to do the word of God? It's, it's not the devil talking to you. 
It's God speaking to you through his word. And there's many times, many times, what I decide to preach on is because I'll be reading my Bible and, and something will stand out and, and I'll, I'll have it on my, on my spirit and in my heart that this is what I need to preach to the congregation. This is what we need to hear. This is a, a message, a word for us. And the same way goes for you. God will speak to you through his word and stuff that you've read over dozens of times that never really jumped out will all of a sudden jump out of the page and it'll speak to you because God is speaking to you in that moment. You will have a revelation of how this particular description will apply to your life, or you'll just have a, a just, you'll know, you'll feel it in your spirit as God is talking to you. And like I said, if it aligns with the Word of God, it is the Word, of, it is God speaking to you. Next, one of the things we should be praying for regularly is that our eyes would be opened. Ephesians 1 18 through 19 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. You know, we need to be praying for growth in our own lives, we need to be praying for our eyes to be opened. We need to be praying for change and not just the same old stuff every day, but that we would grow. There was once a Christian who attended a prayer meeting faithfully, and he, every time he confessed in his prayer meeting, he says, Lord, since we last gathered, the cobwebs have come between us and thee. And he says, clear out these cobwebs. And he, every Sunday at the prayer meeting, he would pray that every single time. And finally, one day, one of the other brothers called out and said, oh, Lord, God, just please kill the spider. There has to be time that we're praying for growth and not, stag- you know, not being stagnant. You know, in this particular believer's life, he was, he was in the same place, not growing, never. His eyes were never being opened. His heart was never being enlightened. And we need to pray for that growth, that we would grow. In the Scriptures, we would grow in faith. We would grow in love with one another. We would grow in discipline. We need to pray that we would have revelation from the Word of God when we read it. It says that, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. You see, hope in the scriptures is not like hope that we see today. You know, we'll say stuff like, I hope we have pizza for dinner. Or, I hope we get to go to the fair. And that's not the same. (laughs) I don't actually hope we have pizza for dinner. That wasn't a a trick. I want healthy food, baby. (laughs) Nico's... (laughs) Praise God. Hope in the scriptures is not, like, <laughs> is not like hope of the world, but it's hope is actually the, the absolute certainty of a believer's victory in God. That is Christian hope, is the certainty of our victory. We don't hope that we might one day get into heaven in a sense of like, we hope we might have Nikos before we go running. But we hope... <laughs> But we, we hope with a certainty. The hope in Christ is not a, a maybe thing, but it's a done deal. And then it says that we would we will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And these riches that we have in him is, is peace, grace, love, hope, final redemption from the presence of sin. These are the riches that we have. These are our inheritances to be perfect, to be made pure, to be whole, to be free from the bondage of sin and death to be victorious, to be more than overcomers. You see, having your eyes opened is revelation. It's more than just a head or a book knowledge. You know, there's, there's many people that have gone to church their whole life and they, they know in their head that Jesus died for them, but they don't actually understand what that means in their heart. Having your eyes open is having a revelation of what that means. It's not just about knowing the stats, but it's actually having an experience with God. It's the difference between knowing that you're free and living free because you have full faith in that truth for your life. That's what having the eyes of your heart open is having a revelation of who God really is, His love for you. Finally, Paul continues to pray that he wants us to have a pardon me, uh, a knowledge of what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. I want you to know that the mighty power of God is available to us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to every believer. 
We can stand against sickness. We can stand against bondage. We can stand against those things in our life because it's available to us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is, is in us. We have a, the same authority that Jesus had. See, the problem is, is that we have a problem with that in the United States, with dealing with the, uh, his power towards us believe and working in the strength of his might because in the United States, the supernatural is kind of trying to be explained away by science. You know, we go, I, I spent time in Africa and amazing miracles happen when you're over there because people are willing to believe God. But the truth is that if we'll just take the time and, and pray to have our eyes open, to pray that we would see God as he truly is, to live in that hope, then you'll see great things happen. That's one of the things we definitely need to be constantly praying for is, is revelation in our hearts. Next, we need to be praying for provision in our lives. James 4, 2 through 3 says, You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. And 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked for him. You know, when something's going on in our life, when we need provision in our life, the first person that we should call out to is God. It says right here, it says you do not have because you do not ask. You know, there was a, a kayaker once in southern England in the Isle of Wight. His name was Mark Ashton Smith. He was 33 years old. He was a lecturer at Cambridge University, and he was out in treacherous waters kayaking, and his, his craft capsized. And as he was clinging to his capsized ca uh, craft, his, his, his kayak, he reaches for his cell phone, and he makes a phone call. And the first person he calls is his dad. And his dad is some 3,500 miles away, dealing, training British troops in Dubai. But without delay, his dad calls the Coast Guard, who's only 12 miles away, and they come and save him. The question is, do we do the same thing when we're going through problems in our life? Is our first phone call to our Heavenly Father? Or is our faith placed in somebody else? Like this kayaker, when we're in peril, our first impulse should be to call our our God to call our dad and say, Dad, I'm in, I'm in a tough bind. And he'll answer your prayers if you'll pray out in faith. He's the one we should trust. But the problem is, many of us are placing our trust in other things. We're placing our trust in our jobs or our retirement funds or in the government. We're putting our faith in places that don't deserve it. Our first call should always be towards the Lord. We find here it says, if we ask anything according to his will, we will have it. Another thing we see in James 4, 2, 3, it says you ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Another thing we need to be aware of is we need to be praying according to the will of God. The truth is that if you pray according to the will of God, God will answer your prayers and you'll have all that you need. The problem is, is we have to ask, what is his will? If what you're asking for is according to the will of God, you will receive it. But if you know, when someone prays, oh, I, I just wish I could have my neighbor's wife. How many know that's not according to the will of God? Or when you're praying that, you're, that's, that your enemy would get hit by a bus, not the will of God. Don't expect to receive that. And obviously these are, these are funny, out there answers, but the truth is that all of our prayers should be according to the will of God. But I want you to know that if you're spending time in the Word, your eyes are focused on Jesus. It's not a question that you have to ask because when your heart's in tune with God, all you will ask is stuff that is in his will. How many know that if you're in tune with God, you're not going to be asking for your neighbor's wife or somebody to get hit by a bus? If you're in tune with God, you'll be asking godly things. And if you have lapses of judgment, don't, don't feel bad. There's been many great men of God who have had lapses of judgment and, and were praying outside of the will of God. Do you guys remember James and John, the sons of thunder? When they, he asked, they asked for fire to come down and destroy that city that wouldn't be received by Jesus, that wouldn't receive Jesus. Even these great men were asking outside of the will of God. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you are of. But I know, because the word of God says it so, that if you ask in accordance with the word of God, you'll receive what you asked for. Next, we should find that, that we should ask it 
like we already have it. It says, this is the confidence which we have before him in 1 John 5, 14 through 15, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. When I pray for stuff, I no longer ask God for stuff. I thank him that I already have it. Because that's what the word of God asks us to model. If your faith is that you... See, that's the, the thing about Christian faith is many people say, you're crazy. Why are you asking like you already have it when you don't have it? Because the word of God says I do and I pray in faith. And that's how we should ask. When we pray, we don't say, oh Lord, please heal me. We say, thank you God that I am healed. We don't pray, Lord, Lord, please give me the money I need to pay rent. But we say, thank you Father that I have provision to pay all my bills. We, we thank him like we've already had him. This is the way we pray in faith that we've already received it. Amen? Finally, we should be praying for peace in our lives. How many of you guys want peace in your life? Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. Because anxiety is a killer. Anxiety will rip you apart if you're always, and you've probably seen people like that that are always nervous and anxious and, and nothing is ever right for them because they're always looking at the wrong side of things. It'll rip your life apart. And it's caused by fear. Anxiety is always about fear of, of not having this, fear of something having, fear of death, fear of all these things causes anxiety. But the Bible says be anxious for nothing. You don't have to worry if you're going to have a job. You don't have to worry if you're going to have enough money to pay the bills. You don't have to worry about stuff going on in your life. If you'll give it to God, be anxious for nothing, but trust Him. It says, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. The thing is, is hand your anxiety over to Him. Hand those problems that you're going with over to Him. And the result of that is the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The reason you have peace is because you know God is going to take care of what you're going through. You know, everybody in this room has gone through tough times or are currently going through tough times. These are the times to give it to God, to accept the peace that He will give you because you know that He is taking care of you. 1 Peter 5, 6-7, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Once again, we see that we're to cast our anxiety on God, because the truth is that He cares about us. He loves us. And we know we can trust Him to take care of us. But the thing about casting your anxiety on God is it's, it's something that you have to do constantly. The problem is, as many people go, cast their anxiety on God and as soon as something's not working out, if they don't have instantaneous results, they, they quickly take it back. The fact is, you need to continually give your anxiety to God and if you find yourself taking it back, give it back to Him again. Give it fully, not partially. Trust in the Lord your God to take care of you and He'll give you that peace. Psalm 55.22 says, Cast your burden upon the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. If you have the Lord Jesus Christ inside your heart, you are righteous. It has nothing to do with what you've done or your actions or what you've accomplished. It has to do with Him making you brand new and you accepted Him into your heart. This is speaking of you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken if you'll cast your burdens onto Him. I knew someone once who had a word of knowledge over her life. And they, they said that they, they saw her walking down the road and she had huge burdens on her back, huge sacks on her back and somebody came along and offered them a ride offered her a ride so she got up into the wagon to the cart to go for a ride but she kept the the backs on her the sacks on her shoulders she never set them down so many of us are like that instead of casting our burden upon the lord he comes alongside of us but we never hand over our burdens to him just like the woman in the in the the, the in the vision there where she was she got on the cart and, and kept it on her back. She never had any rest. She never had any peace because she wouldn't relinquish them. We need to make sure that we're not doing the same things. That we let God lift us up and take over our burdens.
Finally, or next, we also need to be praying for our brethren. Philippians 1, 3-4 says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. Philemon 1, 4 says, I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers. And in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2-3, it says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. Anybody noticing a pattern? Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. Are we praying for one another? Are we praying for, for our brethren in the church? Are we praying for those who we walk alongside? Or do we have this, you know, dear Lord, I'll pray for us four and no more as we pray for our families? Is that the attitude we have? The truth is, is, as the people of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, when one of us rejoices, we rejoice together. When one of us hurts, we hurt together. We should be lifting up one another in prayer. When somebody's struggling, we shouldn't be going, oh, thank God, that's not me. But we should be, we hurt with them. And we stand with them in faith for a good outcome. I know personally, I, I pray for you all every day, and I, I thank God constantly for the great works that you'll be doing in the kingdom of heaven. I thank God that he'll be using you to do incredible things in this city, to reach a lost and dying people in this city. My vision for you guys is great, and I, I thank God every day for you guys. I thank God for the blessing that you are to me. I thank God that you guys are co-laboring alongside my wife and I, and I thank God that he's going to be taking care of you, that you'll have every need met, that you'll have an abundance. But our prayer needs to be real. And it just needs to be a, an every now and then thing. It's not like when uh, you're, you're walking around before church and you see somebody walking up and you go, oh man, I told them I would pray for them. Dear Lord, please bless John. Hey John, been praying for you. <laughs> but we need to be doing it every day and, and consistently. <clears throat> in James five fourteen through 16 it says is anyone among you sick then you must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins they will be forgiven him therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much you know, we need to be praying for health in our lives. If any of you guys are, are sick, you know, the first thing you should be doing is laying hands on yourself, praying for yourself, thanking God, taking hold of that promise that we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. First Peter 2.24 says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. You know, we pray and claim this promise through faith. We pray expressing that faith. You know, this is a healing for our bodies is a done deal if we'll express it in faith. Because by His stripes, we were healed. Jesus paid the price, took the sickness that we should have. He took all of that so that we wouldn't have to. But the Bible also says we should pray for one another for it to express that faith. It says, call on the elders of the church and they are to pray over Him for the sick person. You know, talk to the leaders in the church. Talk to your pastor. Ask them to pray for you and stand in faith with you. But what this is talking this isn't talking about, how many of you know that, that you don't have to have the pastor pray for you if you want to get well? But we all have the same power in Christ. But the truth is that all the pastor will do is, is stand with you and encourage your faith. But it's your faith that claims this promise in Christ. Next we see here, he says that we are to be Confessing our sins to one another. How many of you, how many of that, uh, does that make you cringe a little bit when you hear that kind of stuff? That's because we misunderstand the verse. First off, this doesn't mean that you need to go to everybody in the room and, and list off your laundry list of sins. Most of us don't want to hear it, and truthfully, it's none of our business. But if you, if you sin against somebody, which is what this is referring to, then yeah, go and talk to them whether it's intentional or on accident. But let's, let's be people that, that deal with this stuff. 
If you do something to wrong somebody, go talk to them. Ask their forgiveness. Tell them you're sorry. Because if you don't deal with it, that kind of stuff can fester up and destroy a church. It'll destroy relationships. Whether it be in the church or in your family or anywhere, that stuff will destroy a relationship if you don't deal with it. Confess your sins one another. And then it says, pray for one another so that you may be healed. Let's pray for one another for health. Not just in our body, not just for, for colds, flus, and any other sickness, but for mental health, for relational health. Let's pray for each other. And then finally it says, uh, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And like I said earlier, you are righteous if you have Jesus Christ living in your heart. It has nothing to do with what you've done, what, what you're going to do, what you did. I guess that's kind of the same thing, what you did, what you've done. <laughs> None of that matters. <laughs> what you done did... <laughs> None of that matters. What matters is if you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart. That's what makes you righteous. You know, when we pray to God, we come in the name of Jesus with all of his authority backing us. We come as Jesus himself. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. God hears our prayers and he answers them when they're offered up in faith. And I'm talking specific prayers. When we pray for one another, we shouldn't say, Father, pray for everybody at the church. You know, bless everybody at the church, but mention people by name. Pray for them specifically, what's going on in their lives. And the truth is, if you don't have a relationship with people, you'll never know what's going on in their lives. So let's get to know one another. Let's lift each other up. Let's encourage one another, and let's pray for one another. Next, we need to be praying for our, our, world, our world and its leaders. And this can sometimes be a tough one, especially... When you think about who's in, in leadership in our country. But 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3 says, First of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable on the sight of our God, our Savior. We need to be praying for our leaders. That means our leaders in the church, our leaders in the community, our leaders in the, the government, the leaders of our country. On behalf of all men, and kings and all who are in authority. And sometimes that's a tough thing to do because we don't always agree with who's in authority. But it doesn't matter. The Bible says pray for them. See, this was a time when the Jews were being oppressed by the Romans. How many know that the Jews probably didn't want to pray for the Romans? They were still told to. Paul says, pray for those in authority. And why do we do that? So that they make godly decisions that we can lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. We want them to be blessed. We want them to make godly decisions. And that's why we pray for our leaders. And then it says, on, on behalf of all men, we need to be praying for our community, even those who aren't saved, even those who aren't part of the church. We need to be praying for our city to prosper. We need to be praying for the, the businessmen and women of this city that they would prosper and be successful. Our, our civil, civil services like the police force and the, fires, the fire department, we need to be praying for them to be blessed and protected and honored. Pray for all men. And probably the hardest part about all this when it says pray for all men, this means also for your enemies people you don't like, people that have caused you harm, that have done bad things to you. Matthew 5, 43-44 says, you have, heard it said that it, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbors and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And nobody, I already do this. I've already been praying that they would drive off a cliff. That's not the kind of prayer we're talking about. This means we pray for them to be blessed. We forgive them. Forgiveness is tough when somebody's hurt you, when they've, when they've wronged you, but this is part of it. We forgive them. We pray for them. And we forgive them because He forgave us. That's, that's, that's a natural response. If we believe that He forgave us for everything, no matter what we did, and, and trust me, we all have things that we've done that we've not told anybody, and He still forgave us for those things. 
In spite of those things, he still died and went to the cross for you. We should express that same forgiveness for others. We also need to be praying that we'd be empowered. In Acts 4.31 it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. We need to be praying for boldness. 2 Thessalonians 1.11-2 it says, To this end also we pray for you always, that our God will count you worthy of your calling, fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power, so the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you, in you and him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to pray for empowerment. We need to expect great things when we pray. And we need, to, we need power today in our lives just as much as they ever did in the, in the time of the book of Acts. We should make sure that uh, Philip Brooks said this. He said, do not pray for easy lives, but pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers, but pray for powers equal to your tasks. This is the way the early church prayed. And when they prayed, it says they were, they, where they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to, to speak the word of God with boldness. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then down here it says, to this end we also pray for you always that God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. To be worthy of your calling is just to be found doing it. Obedience to your call is being worthy. Because the truth is that what he's not talking about is, is your natural abilities and your talents be found worthy. Your willingness to be there is what makes you worthy. Your worthiness is because of Christ in you, not because of your natural abilities. And I thank God that we've all been given natural abilities that we can use to, to bless the church and to minister to people, but it's not those abilities that make you worthy, but it's God in you that does. If you're found doing your calling, then you're found worthy. Next, we're going to look at Luke 11, 1 through 4, as we learn how to pray. This is, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. This, the scripture here is not a word-for-word -word prayer. When he's saying this is how you pray, this is a pattern for prayer. And when we pray, we should pray in this pattern. And the first part of this blueprint or this pattern for prayer is he says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. And that word hallowed is from a Greek word that means to set apart or to sanctify. I'm not going to bother trying to, I have it written down, but I'm not going to bother trying to pronounce the Greek word. Just trust me that that Greek word means to sanctify, to set apart. See, this is, this is the request that God says is first, we need to, to honor God. We need to honor his reputation. We need to give him thanks. We need to give him praise. The first thing that you do when you start praying should be to glorify God. Before you do anything else, before you ask for anything, just begin to praise Him. Thank Him for who He is. Say, thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for your love poured out on us. We give you glory and praise. You created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, yet you still think of me. You still know the number of hairs on my head. We give God glory when we begin to pray. The next one, the next request we find, it says, Your kingdom come. We need to pray for the coming of the kingdom. And what this means is identifying with the message of Jesus and his followers. When we pray for his kingdom come, we're praying for people to be touched by the gospel. We're praying for people to have Jesus Christ enter into their lives. Your kingdom come is about identifying with Christ and all that he did for us and expressing that to the world. The third request is for daily bread. 
said, give us each day our daily bread. This is when we begin to pray for provision. We begin to thank God that we have more than enough. We begin to thank God that our children will have the clothes that they need. We'll have the money we need to pay bills. That the, this is when we pray for, for provision in our life. We ask God. And like, like we learned earlier, we don't just simply ask God for stuff. We thank Him that we already have Him. It's a, a prayer offered in faith. The fourth request is about man's relationship to God. It says, forgive us our sins. And at this point, like I said, in Jesus, our sins are forgiven. This is the, the time where you, you confess your sins to God. And to confess is to say the same things about your sins that God says. And what does God say about your sins? He says that they're forgiven, they're dealt with. This is when you say, thank you, Father, that I am forgiven, that I have been made brand new. Then it says, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. The next part of it is just expressing your faith in his forgiveness for you. What he's talking about is, is that when you forgive others, the reason we do that is a natural response for the gift that's been given to us. It's a natural response, the forgiveness in our lives. If we believe that God forgives us, then it's natural for us to forgive others. Do you guys remember the parable that Jesus told where the man was forgiven of his, his great debt by his Lord? So he, he, he thanks him and he runs off and then hunts down his slave and begins to basically wring his slave's neck because he owed him just a small sum of money. And when, the, when his Lord found out about that, he says, you know what, I forgave you of a great debt and you can't even forgive this minor thing? He says, now you're going to be liable for your whole debt. In the same way, we've been given, forgiven of such a great debt when Jesus Christ died for our sins. Why is it that we can't forgive somebody when they smudged our puma? You know, we have such a hard time forgiving people for the minorest things. They step on your foot and you're upset for the rest of the day. Somebody cuts you off in traffic and, oh, we don't even want to know what happens then. Can't even talk about that kind of stuff in church. Let's forgive people because they've forgiven us. Because God's forgiven us. And then finally it says, lead us not to temptation. This is where, where, see the truth is God is not going to tempt you. God is not leading you into temptation. But this is where a sinner, or this is where a, a Christian says, Father, deliver us from the situations where we might be tempted. The situations that might cause us to sin. Father, thank you for giving me strength in those situations. Thank you that I am victorious in those situations. The truth is that God is never going to send anything your way that you can't handle. God will always provide you a way of escape when the enemy is tempting you, when the world is tempting you. Mother Teresa said, I know God won't give me anything I can't handle, but sometimes I wish he just didn't trust me so much. And I know we've all felt like that at times. But the truth is, we just thank God that he's not going to put us, let us allow us to be in a situation that we can't get out of, but we always have a way out. Next, we need to understand that when we pray, we pray in faith. It's not just empty and idle words, but we pray knowing that we're going to receive what, we, what we've asked for. In James 1.5-8, it says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. See, the, the greatest cr problem Christians face when they pray is they don't really believe what they're praying for. They, they say it because it's the right thing to say or someone's listening or that's what somebody else is. But they don't have conviction in their heart that God is going to, to answer their prayers. They, they ask when all the while in the back of their head they don't expect to receive anything. And the Bible says if you're like that, don't expect to receive anything because you're being a double-minded man when you don't operate in faith. Matthew 6, 7-8, it says, When you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You know, we all do the same things often. We just, we just, you ever say those prayers that you finally get done and you're like, I don't even know what I just asked. It was just, it was autopilot. Most of you guys probably do that when you're praying for blessing over your food. Autopilot. You're, it's just meaningless words. You're not praying in faith. 
But we need to pray in faith, knowing that he hears us. Let me get going here. Next, we need to know that we can pray with authority. Mark 11, 23-24 says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in what he says he is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. And Matthew 18, 18-20 says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, that if, you, if the two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. So the thing is, faith requires action. We need to, to, to pray with authority. We need to, to show what we're praying for. You know, if, if, you're, uh, <clears throat> if you're praying for God to bless you, to meet your needs, you need to start living like they're already met. Step out in faith. You know, when you're asking God to, to take away your fear, you need to make that first step. That's the step of faith. When Peter stepped out on the boat, how many know he was probably a little bit afraid? But because of faith, he took his first step. It's like the story of the, of the beggar, the, the homeless man who kept asking God for, for a lottery, to, to win the lottery. Oh, please, Father, please, Lord, let me win the lottery. He, he prayed this way for years. Every night he would ask God, oh, Lord, please let me win the lottery. Finally, God stopped him and said, you know what, you've got to meet me halfway. You've got to buy a lottery ticket. The same goes in our lives. Sometimes we have to step out in faith for God to answer our prayers. And we need to say stuff with authority. It says here, whoever says to this mountain be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. How many know that Jesus isn't saying that whoever begs God enough times that this, that this mountain will be cast into the sea that God will do it for him? Or it doesn't say, oh, oh Lord, please, please put this mountain in the sea. Please, Lord, please push this mountain into the sea. But no, what does it say? It says whoever says to this mountain. Sometimes you've got to speak to your problems. You've got to speak to what's going on in your life. You know, if you're, if you're sick, if you're not feeling well, speak to your sickness. Say, I take authority of you in the name of Jesus. You have no right in my body. Go. Speak to your mountains. We need to stop telling our God about our problems, but instead start telling our problems about our God. Pray with authority. Pray with boldness. Pray knowing that you're coming in the name of Jesus and he stands behind everything you say. And as we're reading in Matthew 18, 18 through 20, it says, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And it's actually, if you look in your Bible, there's probably something in, in italics saying this is not quite what it says here. This should be translated like this. Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound, <clears throat> shall, shall be bound having already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed having already been loosed in heaven. I want you to know that, that we can stand and bind those things that should be bound in heaven. Sickness we can bind in the name of Jesus because it is bound in heaven. And we can lose happiness. We can lose joy. We can lose all of those things because that's what's loosed in heaven. And we can do it with authority knowing that it's already been loosed in heaven or it's already been bound in heaven. Finally, we need to, there's times we need to pray in the Spirit. Romans 8, 26-27 says, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When people pray in tongues, when they pray in the Spirit, that's what it's talking about. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. And it says, He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, but to no one understands, but in his Spirit he speaks mysteries. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15, it says, For I pray, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. You know, sometimes we don't know how to pray. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. And that's the times when we need to be praying in the spirit. Let the Holy Spirit intercede for us as we pray in tongues. There'll be times that you'll pray in tongues and you don't know what's being said. The Bible says here that, that uh, where is it out here? 
says, but if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What he's saying here is that when you pray in tongues, you don't know what's being said. But God knows. God understands. The Spirit is interceding for you like we read here. He Himself intercedes for us. And there's going to be stuff that will be dealt with that you had no idea that even needed to be dealt with. Stuff that's going to be, that's going to be overcome because you were praying in the Spirit. And like Paul says here, we need to, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with my mind also. We should be doing both of these on a regular basis. And finally, the last thing I want to talk about is that we need to be devoted to prayer. In Acts 2.42, it says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is the early church. This was when the church was first being built. It was growing out of, out of persecution and being hunted down by the Romans. But this was a church that was strong. It's where we're all descended from today. And this is oftentimes the early church. The, the church in the book of Acts is, is kind of the holy grail of what churches are, are hoping to achieve because this was when everything they did was for God. And this was the attitude of the early church that they be devoted to prayer. And this should be the culture of Living Hope Family Church as well, that we be devoted to prayer. It says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. And we, we hear the teaching from the Word of God, the, the books of the Bible that were written by the apostles. That's what we're doing as we learn from them, as we hear God speak to us through them into fellowship, into the breaking of bread. That's why we regularly get together. We have our barbecues and, and we eat lunch right after the service because we want to devote ourselves to each other. We want to have fellowship with one another. We want to break bread with one another. We want to get to know one another, care about one another, support one another, encourage one another, lift each other up. That's why we do these things. And finally, it says that they were devoted to prayer. We need to make prayer a priority in our lives. We can never say we have a relationship with God if we never spend the time to talk to Him. And there's many ways to do these things. Start a prayer journal. Write down a list of things. Many times people say, I, I, I don't know what to pray for. I can't remember what to pray for. Write a list down. When we get together and pray at the end of our, of our life groups, that's why I write that stuff down on a piece of paper. So that way when we're praying... I can make sure that we prayed for everything that we talked about so we didn't miss anything. If you're married, pray with your spouse. If you're hoping one day to be married, pray with your, with your, your girlfriend or boyfriend. It's harder to make that kind of stuff uh, anonymous when there's only one boyfriend and girlfriend couple in the, <laughs> in the room. <laughs> pray with one another. Pray for your leaders. Pray with your leaders. Pray with your friends. We need to devote our lives to prayer, to, to, to speak to God. And when we pray together, like the Bible says, that if, if two or more agree on a thing, it is done. See, the truth is, in our Christian walk, we can't pick and choose the parts of our walk that we like. We can't say, well, I, I like getting together and, and fellowshipping. That's fun. But this prayer thing, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't want to do that. The truth is we can't pick and choose the parts that we like. We need to be disciples. We need to be faithful to what God has for our life. And this is one more thing in the culture of living church that we need to be developing and cultivating is, is our devotion to prayer. We are going to be a people who pray. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet and pray.